Hey, Race to Rise fam. We're Rondette and Renee, and we are back with a dose of R&R. Yes, things are starting to open up in the UK. Amen. While you still can't book holidays, you can at least grab a bite to eat, get your hair done, and finally return gifts uh, from Christmas, believe it or not, since the shops are finally open. So, funny story. You can also go to yeah, you can also go to the gym. And yesterday I went to the gym and I was working with a trainer and a man walked in and said to the trainer, did you have a good Christmas? And we just all burst into laughter because the reality of the fact that none of us had seen each other since Christmas. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, and Easter and Valentine's Day and Mother's Day. So yeah, yeah it's, it's it's been a journey to say the least. It has totally been a journey. Um, and, you know, before we go into our topic today, we definitely want to acknowledge the loss of a cultural icon, Earl Simmons, also known as DMX. He was a rapper, an actor, a prayer, a prayer warrior. And we should all just reflect and applaud his art artistry and not his challenges because, you know, I did see a few people trying to bring up the skeletons in this closet. And let's be honest, we are all complicated human beings and we all have a skeleton or two. So, you know, it's really not cool. He was someone's father, friend, fiance, brother. And mm -hmm. I think we should give him the, the, the roses that he deserves. And we talk about mental health all the time and we've always been very open about that. And that's something that he's been open about, you know, not only his addiction, but mental health and, and his struggles and his challenges. So yeah, I mean, my childhood growing up in New York was DMX, Darkman X. So yeah. yeah, hopefully he is finally at peace. Totally. And he made so much history. Like he was one of the first rappers to have four consecutive albums hit number one on the charts. So, I mean, he 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 was a legend in his own right so rest in power yeah. king okay so this topic is quite heavy because we want to talk about people who are missing in our community mm -hmm. and the coverage or lack of that these cases get um specifically if we look at the UK, according to recent data from the National Crime Agency, Black people are accounted for 14% of missing people in England and Wales between 2019 and 2020. That is over four times the 3% of our relative population. Wow. Wow. So given the prevalence, my question is, why does it take social media outrage for there to finally be some form of action by police? Well, I think if we dive a bit deeper, why is it that we see action being taken for some communities? And that's with the media coverage being, you know, very, very hypervigilance and very 24 seven round the clock news and also the police engagement and interaction with the family to ensure that the family feels, you know, comforted and updated. Why are there certain parameters that are in place for some people and, for, and not for others? 
And I think when we dive deeper into that, that's where we start to see just like really concerning trends. It makes me afraid as a black woman to, first of all, nobody wants to go missing, obviously, but to think that it's going to take to your point, media outrage as a black woman to have people who don't even know me, you know, hashtag my name and to be pushing the envelope and, and just saying, listen, th this needs to be solved and resolved and addressed and, um, and attention needs to be paid to it. That's a really scary thought. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, it makes you wonder, right? How to your point about media or the attention from the police, it's like, how is it that certain communities tend to be criminalized before actually mm -hmm. committing anything. But then when they actually need help, there all of a sudden is a scarcity in resources to yeah. provide assistance. Um, yeah, I was reading something that said, um, it's a privilege to believe the police, it's a privilege to be, to be in a position in which you think the police or you're confident enough that the police will protect you. Yeah. And that, and that sat with me. That sat with me because I, I'm not confident in that. I'm not yeah, confident in protection. I don't have that privilege of protection. I know that. But then it makes you wonder like, why is that? Because you know, you live in a nice neighborhood. I live in a nice neighborhood. So you would think your postcode, specifically in like the UK, your postcode is everything, but even still, right? If we look in London, where we live, between 2019 and 2020, Black people accounted for 36% of missing people, more than twice their population in the city of 13%. So statistically, oh, like that number scares me, right? Because even if you yeah. are in the right postcode, that doesn't hedge you, as we say, or protect you um, mm -hmm. from falling into that. Yeah. Now, I mean, when you think about it, the role of the police, the duty of police, the power that's instilled in them and the authority that is given to them is primarily to protect. Yeah. And if you think to yourself, well, gosh, do I have the privilege of protection? Am I, am I, is my life worthy enough that God forbid something happens or I go missing, it will be prioritized? If you have to query any of those things, then the answer is likely no. Now, if we were to, if we're, if we're keeping it a buck, <laughs> if we're keeping it a hundred percent, let's put some, you know, names in recent headlines yeah. to, to what we're saying here, right? Because all our listeners know, we always keep it real and we have hard conversations and that's part of our passion and our purpose in Race to Rise is having these challenging conversations and bringing a lot of these challenges and issues to the fore. So if we think about the Sarah Everard case, which if I'm not mistaken was what, early March? Yeah. She went missing, um, leaving a friend's home. Super tragic case, which also by the way has died down quite a bit, right? We, haven't, we still haven't heard what's going on. So she went missing, walking through the park. She was in Clapham. I believe she was in her early 30s. Yeah. Great job. You know, she was caught on CCTV walking from her friend's home. 
um, to her normal path home. We got the full description of what she was wearing. I mean, within days of her missing and only to find out that a police officer, again, their duty is to serve and protect a yep. police officer, you know, is, is being accused of, of, of killing this woman. I mean, outrageous. Yeah. yeah. Outrageous as a woman, no matter what your background is to think that goodness, like the, yeah. the same people whose duty and job you get paid to serve and protect, you are putting us in this position. Now, you know, rest in peace to her because I can't imagine what her final moments on this earth were like. I mean, tragic is an understatement. Yeah. And we can go on and on as a podcast that serves women. We can go on and on about how just unnerving it is when you think about all the things as a woman that you are conditioned to do throughout your life like walk with your keys out just in case you need to use it as a weapon. You know, some people have whistles on their yeah. keychain and, you know, text a friend as soon as you get in. These are all things that men don't have yeah. to worry about. So we can go into a whole nother, you know, episode about that. And the simultaneous missing um, person's case of Richard Okorige. And I hope I'm saying his name correctly. 19 year old boy, believe he was from Essex if I'm not mistaken. You know, West London, and it's he was from West London, but he was found in Essex. Yeah, he was found in Essex. Yeah, Um, was sheltering in place. You know, had a mm -hmm, pre-existing condition, and it took for his mom to go on the news, like pleading. And apparently, the police are like, "Well, if you can't find your son, what do you expect me to do?" Can you? I mean, I I think that was tell me this as a mother. As a mother, imagine, imagine. I think when she said that and she was on the BBC and I, I will give kudos to the BBC for, you know, actually bringing this to light and giving her the platform because I was outraged. You know, as a mom, your biggest nightmare is something happening to your child's way before their time or his or her time. Mm-hmm. And so to have a yeah. child with sickle cell and it was very cold to all of a sudden leave the house without medication when that child has been shelter in place, that should have raised alarm immediately. And I think she even reported um, blessing Richard's mom. I believe she even reported that when she was on the phone that someone said, hey, blessing, you've been on this call for 10 minutes. Uh, We don't have any more updates to give you at this moment. I mean, this is where emotional intelligence, empathy come into play. You know, when you have a frontline role and lives are at stake, surely there should be more compassion and sympathy for a mother worried about a teenage son, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wonder, I'd be curious, I'm not making any assumptions, but were the parents of Sarah Everard held, you know, handled the same way? I'm no. sure we would have heard of it if, if they were. Yeah, and I'm going to say something even more controversial about that because the coverage that Sarah got went all the way up to our home secretary, Priti Patel, yep. and our yep. prime minister, Boris Johnson. With Richard, unfortunately, the acknowledgement from the top top, i.e. our prime minister, Boris Johnson, he did not make any public statement. And Priti Patel made a tweet. 
So, you know, when you see those visible things of acknowledgement, statements, what does that say to communities that are marginalized and not represented, right? And by the way, this is definitely another episode, that recent report that basically said institutional racism isn't really a thing in the UK. So it's like, when you see those things, it's hard to then link that to research when actually in practice, you do see a difference in the coverage and the effort that's being put forth. I mean, look, I wasn't here, you know, in the time of the, I think her name was Madeline McCain. Like I, yeah. I wasn't living in the UK. I think, I don't know what year that was, but it was several years ago. But I remember the coverage being global, yeah. global, astronomical. If I'm not mistaken, I think the case may even still be open and there's still yeah. being, you know, money being spent on that. Yeah. And, you know, even if you don't look at it as a, as, as a black, white thing, I mean, Richard was a child. Madeline is a child, big age difference, mind you, but this is still, these are people's children. Yeah. These are people's lives. And so if there's enough energy and money to invest in, in what we would deem a cold case, why isn't there any energy and effort for Richard? Why, why did, why did that not exist? And why was the burden of finding him solely placed on the parents? You don't think a parent is a ready frantically looking for their child and then to feel the level of disrespect and disregard of the you know authorities telling you what do you want us to do about it it's 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 outrageous yeah and And i think it i don't know you have to have these conversations to call them out for what they are you know i think it's truly unfortunate that we are over policed for existing, but under police when we're the victims Ooh, and we need help. Girl, right? listen, <laughs> listen, listen. If, if the amount of energy that is placed in stop and searches that we know are happening at a much higher level in black communities, if that same energy was given to stop and find yeah. our missing people, can yeah. you imagine that that number you quoted in the beginning of what 36% of the in missing London. people's case? Yeah. In London alone. Yeah. Would be way lower. Yeah. And the thing is, is that when you look at the missing cases, specifically like in the UK as a whole, Black men go missing more than Black women. But one of the things that doesn't seem to get a lot of, um, coverage is this notion about trafficking across mm-hmm. county lines with black boys yeah. like that is a thing in the UK like we always are talking about knife crime right but trafficking is a thing like we really think trafficking is just something that's happening over there in Africa and parts of Africa where people are trying to you know leave war-torn or Asia, or Asia um, you know to come to greener pastures in the UK or in Europe or in the US but actually trafficking happens Right, so, right outside of our door where drug dealers take advantage of young boys, right? Use their influence, undue influence and get them to be mules. And sometimes they yeah. go missing because of the mental and physical abuse that they're going or experiencing with these guys. 
And so they don't tell their parents. And again, back to our original point, if you feel over-policed for existing and under-policed when you need them, a lot of times these things go underreported. So we just need to shed a light and understand like the numbers are there, why aren't the resources being deployed? But more, more specifically, if we know that this is prevalent, why aren't we getting as much press as we do for other matters? Like how is it that we got so much coverage over the real royalty, but trafficking is like a thing? Yeah. And I think it goes, I mean, it goes so much deeper than that because if we think about the press, so so no, we're talking about two things, the press and policing, right? If we think about the press, there's there's a very unique relationship between the press and the police in general, right? But there's something even more unique about it, I find in the UK. And you know, we can go on and on and on about that. The press, the press has like a level of royalty here, it feels as though. And um, if you think about the how who's in the press like who is reporting on these things that's where it starts right so if you don't have someone black at the head of a news desk if you don't have someone who is you know southeast asian who's running you know x amount of media coverage for social media channel like if you don't have representation in those spaces then you're still going back to the same story that we see in corporate america where it's People are looking out for people who look like them. Mm. It's those very conscious biases that we see that we talk about all the time, but that's what's playing out in the press. It's like, gosh, okay, every single person in that newsroom probably has a niece or a daughter or a granddaughter or a cousin or a wife who looks and reminds them potentially of Sarah. Yeah. And I would pretty much like fight your mom on this, I pretty much, pretty much put my bottom dollar on the fact that the majority of them don't have anyone, they don't, they didn't look at Richard and see anything and feel anything. But this is scary to me because regardless if you don't see anything in Richard, to your point, he is a teenage kid who was in university who, you know, let's be honest, the pandemic has impacted everyone to some extent, right? Like, we've talked about how it's impacted our mental health or our anxiety, not being able to see family when you are across the Atlantic ocean. But thinking about a kid who's in university and industries have literally become irrelevant overnight, the stress of trying to now be competitive in an even more competitive environment, like that's a lot. And I think being shelter in place for a year on top of normal stresses, probably was just too heavy for him. And so regardless of whether you quote unquote, don't feel like you have anything in common, like this is what scares me. It's like, when do we stop? When, why have we stopped seeing people as people and understanding that people are complicated beings? Like, you know, it's just, so that's my, that's my beef with, with the lack of representation, because even if there isn't representation, we all talk about emotional intelligence. We all talk about the power of diversity inclusion, yet we continue to see cases where the news as it's being reported is not covering how society looks today and not factoring the different levels and layers of society. 
Yeah, girl, I totally agree. I mean, what we've seen as a result of 2020 and 2020 in my mind will always and forever be, you know, a bit of a blessing and a bit of a curse is what 2020 did was lift the veil. And look, I don't care what this recent UK report says that racism doesn't exist and da, 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 it's not really a thing. We're seeing it play out here. Exactly. So in terms of 2020 lifting the veil, it just goes to show you what you said was so powerful. And I'm just trying to crystallize it for myself. It's the fact that people could see themselves in in the case of of this woman who was tragically killed and, and was missing because people can relate to, I have a wife, I have a daughter, I have whatever, but they couldn't see or they can't see or they don't want to see, gosh, well, he's a child, I have a child. Huh, okay, that is terrible. That is the common denominator. The fact that that humanity and that level of, of that being the kind of baseline does not supersede or trump the fact that he is a black child or I should say young man is what 2020 highlighted for everyone. No one can hide that from that anymore. I think if we were having this conversation 18 months ago, we would be even more timid to have it. We probably wouldn't have it. We'd probably have it amongst ourselves. We would talk about it amongst ourselves. We would talk about it in our group chat, but we wouldn't dare potentially dare to go as broad as our platform to have this conversation because we would be, we've been so conditioned 30 plus years of our life to believe it's kind of what's happening, but nah, it's not really happening. And yeah. now we're calling a spade a spade. And so I will forever be grateful to 2020 for that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just hope with the outrage um, that's been coming from social media, which is why social media is such a powerful tool, but I hope mm-hmm. if we continue to you know, state our claim, call out news outlets, um, challenge institutions, right? That we will have more attention and resources directed to stories such as Richard. Like it should not have been a social media uproar where all of our friends were posting pictures of Richard And then finally, all of a sudden, the BBC was like, hey, Blessing, here's the platform for you to talk about your child. Like, to me, I find that really weird. Like, it's just, because with Sarah, you know, and rest her soul, as a woman, to your points about having to look over your shoulder. I mean, even, even yesterday, I was on the phone with my mom. I just wanted some fresh air. I went to the store to pick up something. On the phone with my mom, this man is in his car, drives by, looks at me. I ignore him, but still was trying to like look at me. And thankfully, it's broad daylight. But these, this is one of the reasons, and I'm being honest, like I don't go out at nighttime by myself, yeah. right? Yeah. I just don't. Or if I do, I'm in a taxi. And so like, it's unfortunate that her situation and her, her circumstances and her death highlighted what it's like to be a woman in 2021. Yeah. What Richard highlighted is what it's like to be a parent of a black child when you are already thinking the worst case scenario and praying that it's not yeah. and wondering man, had it gone the same level of urgency of other cases, could mm-hmm. my child have been saved? And to yeah. go through that mental tug of war, I just want people to understand like, 
we're just saying, take a step back, pretend to be in blessing shoes and understand what it's like for someone to say, well, if you don't know where your child is, how can we? I mean, that cannot be an answer coming from the police station. That should never be the answer. Never, and yet, ever. There are some teenagers who do leave on their own accord and come back. But if someone is saying, I know my child, if someone is saying my child has sickle cell, this is not normal for my child to leave without set medication, that should be treated with urgency. Urgency and attention. It should be prioritized. It is not. It is not. And this is why we say Black lives still matter. Yeah. It's not because we're saying others don't. It's saying it's because we have to really, unfortunately, continue to say it for it to feel like it's ringing true. To your point, and this is why we continue to stress this privilege that comes with protection and press and publicity. There's this privilege that's associated with it. Imagine this mom of this Black child has already spent the first 19 years of his life, you know, worried about, gosh, is he going to get caught up with the wrong crowd? Gosh, is he going to be stopped and searched? Like she already has all these things. Gosh, like she, who knows? She's probably trained him. Like, don't wear your pants too loose. Don't wear a hoodie. Like all these things. And these are assumptions. I obviously don't know her, but all these things that as a parent of a black child, she's already had to probably pray on and worry about day after day after day. And then your child goes missing and then the police mishandle you. And then your child is no longer with you. Yeah. So to your point, the mental gymnastics that she would have to go through as she juggles the relationship between her child and the police from the time he's old enough to understand the basics. Yeah. A white child does not, or a white parent would not experience that. Yeah. And my heart goes out to her. And we put a post about this on Instagram where, you know, we centered the post around her and kind of uplifting her and wrapping our arms around her virtually from a distance because we are here to empower women and inspire women and uplift the voices of women. And our hearts just break for this woman that could have, you know, years down the line, that could be me worrying about my son. Yeah. That could be exactly. me worrying about Chloe. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as much as we've been focusing on the UK in America, similarly, black children are more likely to go missing. Right. And so, you know, I think about things all the time, like how I want to make sure that Chloe does not go to school by herself. Cause I'm gonna be honest. I fortunately living in Miami, things are spread out more. I'm like London where things are close. Um, I was dropped off to school every day until I was able to have my own car, right? I was 13. Yeah, there was no you taking the bus by exactly. my mama. Did not play that. No, no, no. And so I think about that because I've seen videos and I know, you know, schools in the UK, specifically secondary schools, are also having instances with assaults and other activities happening. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to have to be that that mom that's just all over my child and making sure that, you know, you just, you just get to this moment where you're like, well, how do I manage my time? So I'm around my child 24 seven. And that's unfortunate, but that's the world that we wow. live in. Right. Wow. Because I'm just like, I want to trust how things are, but then I'm like, I look at these stories and I'm like, mm, this could be Chloe. So I'm going to be over the top. Yep. 
Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say that the that there's such a, I don't know, did you say there was a majority or a high number of Black children going missing in the U.S.? Yeah, that, similarly, Black children similarly. are still more likely. But when you think about it, I remember growing up, you know, it would always be on the, it would be ABC News, the seven o'clock news in yeah. City. And on ABC News at the end of, and, and my parent, my dad was big on news, so it was always playing in the house. But at the end of every, I think it was a 6 p.m. news broadcast, or maybe it was the 8 p.m., but at the end of it, you would always say, they would always be a, a missing children's advert where it would say, you know, do you know where your children are? I remember growing up, that was always mm -hmm. something. So anyone mm -hmm. from New York City tuning in, y'all will know what I'm talking about. And I promise you, growing up, I cannot tell you I saw any children that looked like me on there. Yeah. And it also, it also brings us, uh, I, I guess it also brought a false sense of security to me as well to think like, oh, I'll never get kidnapped or, yeah. you know, these bad things won't happen to me because well, don't do that to black kid. What was happening was they weren't being they reported. Just get reported. Yeah. And so when you see these well, numbers. Because obviously, parent, obviously parents are reporting their missing children, but they're not making it to the seven o'clock news. No, that's they're what not. I'm saying. It's like they're not being captured or reflected. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess we have to continue to use our platforms. We have to continue to challenge status quo, but we also have to pray and let those know that we hear you. And with organizations such as Minority Matters, like, you mm -hmm. know, we just need to let people know, like, yeah, like we we matter. We're taxpaying citizens, and you would hope that the same taxes that we're paying, we will get the same treatment and coverage that we require in our time of need. That's all we can hope and for. Deserve. We just we just want what we deserve. Yeah. So that's it, girl. This was. I'm glad we had this conversation. This was heavy, but it's so necessary, and you know. Yeah. Well, we will continue to have these conversations, but again, to all of our listeners, this is just us being real, sharing our thoughts, sharing what we think needs to happen for things to change. Um, and we'll continue to have these conversations, but you know, we're always positive and we always believe that the more we challenge, the more we raise concerns, the more change has to eventually come. So I hear want, Chloe in the back. Yes. <laughs> so we want everyone to remember that everyone's race is different, but we want you to stay the course, keep running your race, and you will rise to the top. Till next time. Bye. Bye.